fundraisers, I'm Don Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. I am super excited to get started. Raise Nation, turn up your volume, sit back. You're going to want to pay attention to our guest and to this next topic. It's a little niche, but super important. So let me set this up before I introduce our guest. Let's talk tech. It has exploded in the last decade in the nonprofit universe. And it's fabulous because it helps us do more. It helps us grow raise more, all the things that we need to be doing as fundraisers so that we can stay focused on stewardship and donor relationships and the more important things than manual processes. But what has come of that is a new challenge, and that is an IT challenge. We have all of these different platforms and they all have our donor data and they might be disparate and in different places. So instead of you know, trying to run an auction, let's say on paper bid sheets. Now we're trying to import and export and, you know, double our efforts with moving data around and it is a new challenge. So we have to solve for that. And I can't think of anyone better to help us solve for that than our guest, Debbie McCann. She is the CEO of uh, W4Site and speaking to her, you just want to like stop in your tracks and say, give me more. So we've got her for 30 minutes. Debbie, hi, welcome to Raise Nation Radio. I am so glad you're here. I'm going to be listening intently, but welcome. Say hello to our audience. Thanks, John. It's great to be here and I'm excited for our conversation. Fantastic. Well, our audience wants to get to know you a little bit better before we dive into these new challenges that fundraisers um, and development directors and executive directors and anyone in the nonprofit space are probably experiencing. Would you mind just introing yourself and tell us a little bit about you, whatever you want to share personally, and you know, just the why and the story of W Foresight? We want to hear. Absolutely. W4Site was born in 2009. It was a group of four consultants who all wanted to serve the communities that could make a difference. We all had experience in tech, in different software projects, project management, implementation of software, but the opportunity to start our own firm to focus on the entities that are making a difference in the world was what really motivated us to get going. And fast forward all these years later, our expertise is in helping nonprofit communities and foundations select implement and actually use the software that makes a difference in your organization. We have a wide variety of fundraising tools that we work with, a wide variety of program management tools, and we stay agnostic in terms of the specific software that we support and use so that we can help any organization focus on the tools that are the right tools for you. So when we work with our clients, we are their advocates to focus on what their needs are and help them get the right tech in the right place. 
I love that. So, so you're really neutral. You're just trying to create that playbook, that roadmap that makes sense so that it's not a technology challenge, nightmare, IT struggle. It's, 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 it's a map to see. That's exactly right. And it's an action plan and we help execute the action plan. And I think what makes us different and what we really want to talk about today is how to make sure you're implementing the right things. We don't have an agenda. We're not pushing a specific tool. We're focusing on what's going to make a difference for your organization. I love that. All right. So can we get right into it? I'm going to come right out with the hard questions. You bet. Um, Let's go. So I think it's fair to say that technology has exploded for nonprofits in the last decade, for sure. And we've been great about adopting these, you know, different technologies, whether it's your CRM or AI or different ways of giving, right? There's, there's a lot out there. It's all over the place. So what what should nonprofits be thinking about today that maybe they didn't think about a decade ago to now connect the dots between right. all of their different technology solutions because really donor data needs to be in one place. It can't it can't be here, there, and everywhere. We can't know this about John Smith here and something else about John Smith there. It really needs to aggregate. So we might not have thought about that a decade ago. What do nonprofits need to think about today? You're exactly right. It has, for many organizations, gotten way out of control. And one of the ways that uh, we suggest that people think about it to realize whether or not they have a problem is if you thought about one of your key supporters and that person let you know they have a new email address, how many different places would you have to make note of that in order to make sure that you're contacting that person in the right place? So if that feels familiar uh, in your organization, what we really encourage you to think about is to actually step back from the tech and get back to basics. What are you trying to accomplish with your fundraising? What is your strategy? And this is not about your technology. This is about your why. What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to engage with all your supporters? Why is it important to have all of your data in one place? Hmm. And just a couple of examples might be, we want to know who our most valuable supporters are across all the different things that our organization is involved in, because we need to expand our engagement of our most valuable supporters, people who work with us in a number of different ways, because we have all these ideas about how we want to engage them in the future. So if we can't tell who they are, we can't achieve that goal. That might just be one example. There could be something entirely different for your organization, but know what your purpose is before you get lost in the bells and the whistles and the distractions of the technology. Stay Hmm. centered on what you're trying to accomplish. I didn't expect you to say that Um, out of the gate. As soon as you said supporter changes their email address and how many different places does that live? My head started, you know, going up and down. Oh yeah. Pain point right there. So that's just such a my, well, not a minor thing. It's a major thing. Cause if you're going to communicate, you need to have that email updated. It's an obvious way to understand how important it is sure. to get the tech right, but start with the why. And then the next step that we would encourage you to think about, again, this is not about the tech. This is about making sure you understand what you need your systems to do. Map out your fundraising calendar for the next 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. What are the specific things that your organization is going to be involved in? Because the tech should support your strategy, 
The tech is not an end in and of itself. You don't want to watch a demo and say, oh my gosh, I just saw the coolest tool that would help us with a golf outing. Great. Are you going to do a golf outing? Well, we hadn't planned to, but this tool is so cool. So let's do a golf outing. But wait, is that part of your strategy? Is that part of your strategy? Does your constituency play golf? You know, I mean, that's a silly example, but it's very easy to be distracted by the shiny object that pops up in your inbox. Everybody's doing great marketing, you know, to get you to take a look at new tools. But first, focus, get your team together, make a list. What is your fundraising calendar looking like? And what are the tools you need to support your strategy? That might be different than somebody else's strategy. Focus on your strategy and what you need to support your organization. Are you doing a gala? Do you need to be putting the tools in place so that you have a toolkit to hand to people to do third-party events so that your branding is always in place, your messaging is in place, and all they have to do is put in some photos and a personal statement, and then you've got a way to extend your fundraising without the burden of organizing on your own staff. There's lots of different tools out there, but focus on what is going to be right for your organization before you get mired down in the tech. And then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I I think you're kind of laying this out in steps for us, which I really appreciate because I'm a list kind of girl, but as you're talking, many of our audience know my side hustle. I run a small nonprofit with my daughter and you're right. We see tools all the time on social media. Marketing is always great. Oh, let's check this out. Oh, this tool does that and helps. And they always have a success story, help this organization raise that. And then we're, we're going back to like, oh, okay, we could do a repelling event or, oh yeah. What about a, a a rowing event or um, what do they call those rowing events? I forget. Or we can do a, a regatta. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. And that, or we can do this and you're right. We're in staying, instead of saying steadfast, okay, this is the strategy. This is what we mapped out. This looks cool. It is a, a new shiny toy, but you know what? We need this right now. We're chasing that toy all the time. Yeah. And wow, you just made a light bulb go off because I'm always looking at something and saying to myself, oh yeah, let's do that. But no, you can't really drive to, you know, from coast to coast without a map and a road plan because you'll you'll be driving in circles, which is what you're saying. So, okay, let me get this in my head. Figure out your why. Why are you doing this? That's kind of like a step one, right? Yes, absolutely. Step two is create your strategy and stay true to it and bring in software to support that, not the other way around. Correct. Okay. Are there more steps? I'm with you on step one and two. Exactly. And then step three is to make sure that you do have the technology to support your strategy. And we like to think about your collection of tools as an ecosystem. Tools need to work together. You might have more than one tool and that's okay. Uh But the right collection of tool is like a three-legged stool that has balance. In our way of thinking about it, the three legs of the stool are what functions you need. Like, what do you need the systems to actually do? Are you doing a golf outing? Then you need golf support. If you're doing a gala and you're doing an auction, then you need all those things. If you're doing more traditional major gift cultivation and you're going to keep track of a whole portfolio of people for each of the fundraisers in your organization and where they are and their progress toward those goals, those are functions that the software Mm -hmm. needs to support. That's one leg of the stool. 
You need to know okay. what you what you need functionally. But what can you afford? That's another leg of the stool. And the third leg of the stool is can you sustain this technology? Is it too mm-hmm. complicated for your organization? If you don't have expertise and the capacity in your organization to maintain a complicated system, you're not going to get much out of your investment. It's so wasted take a technology. Hard, it's yeah. wasted technology. You do not need, everybody understands the analogy, you don't need a Maserati to drive to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And you may not need a super fancy CRM to accomplish the very basic stuff that your organization is focused on. That's why it's so important to get steps one and two right before you worry about the software. Wow. Okay. So not that I want to tell all of the companies out there what to do, but an, or a company that is a SaaS company selling software would be very wise to conduct really good discovery then and raise their hand if it's not a right fit and not bring up features that aren't relevant, right? Conducting That's absolutely companies true. That, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think before you make commitments to software, I would encourage people to think about a couple other things. What does success look like? If you're sitting around with your team and you've figured out your why and you've mapped out your fundraising calendar and you're thinking about implementing some new tools, can you answer the question for yourselves? If we were to implement this tool, how would we define success? Is it about an increase in fundraising? Is it about an expansion of the number of supporters that you're trying to work with? Is it about reducing manual effort in your organization to accomplish those things? Make sure you get some of those goals out on the table for your team to consider. Because then when you're working on implementing the software, if you've lost sight of those goals, you may not achieve what you're hope you're you may not achieve what you're hoping to achieve with this investment. So make sure you have a definition of what success is going to look like. And another thing to consider is what you might be doing now in your organization that's actually potentially going to work against you. Mm. And what I mean by that is a lot of organizations have figured out very clever workarounds for limitations in their existing software. Mm. Too hard to use? We'll do it on a spreadsheet. If you're used to So doing what's the point way, then? Yeah. yeah. So it's to recognize, the goal is to recognize those triggers. Oh, something's too hard. I just spin up a new Google sheet. I'm really good at that. And mm. so everybody needs to be aware of what their coping mechanism is when they get stressed out and just want to do things the easy way, because you want to be able to recognize that when it happens, when you're trying to implement new software. So you can step back and say, wait, wait, wait. Why did I just open that spreadsheet? What do I not understand about my new tool? Because if the goal is to get rid of some of these manual processes and have everything in one place, why am I making it harder for myself? And I I guess to expand on that, it's really important if you're going to enter into technology acquisition that you want to make sure you're optimizing close to 100% use of what that software does, not 50% use. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're not really getting that return on investment. I mean, if you're doing it in a spreadsheet outside the software, it's not making sense. Exactly. Exactly. I want to go through these steps again, because I feel like, I feel like Raise Nation 
you really need to just get a little index card and put these three steps on on your desktop someplace because when you're evaluating technology, I think this is really important to keep it in mind. It almost guide your technology, your conversations with technology vendors. So figure out your why. Have a vision statement for what you're trying to accomplish, right? That's step one. Then look at your fundraising calendar that you already set probably should be about 18, 24 months in advance. This is the strategy. This is what you're doing. If you're not doing a golf outing, let's not go get technology that's supporting golf, right? So map out your strategy, stay true to that. That's step two. And then step three is just, you want to be real with it all. Balance everything out, make sure it's affordable, sustainable, and you are gonna use this technology to the fullest. Did I get those three steps right? How did I do? You did. did you did great, Don. <laughs> you you passed the test. You are now ready to actually get to the part where you're actually choosing the tools. You've got, got that base foundation in place for your project to be successful. Congratulations. Thank you. You're a good teacher. I think <laughs> that we jump and start looking at software without thinking about these things. I'm going to just say I do. So if you're out there and you're like me, I think this was really good advice. All right. So now let's move on just a little bit more. There's a lot of noise, Debbie. Come on, let's be real. There is <laughs> technology coming everywhere. at us from everywhere, all sorts of, of technology. And it's hard. I mean, because you're right, we do get attracted to that shiny new toy. Marketing is great. They make us feel empowered to go run a golf outing that we never, I'm beating up on golf outings. I don't mean to do that, but go run this new fundraiser that you've never done before and you're going to be crazy successful. And, and you think for a hot second that that's true. But you know what? We have to be real. We just learned our first three steps. So how do nonprofits cut through all that noise to get to the right tools now that we have yeah. step one through three in place? Well, that's a great question. And I do want to mention, if you go through that initial process, we don't want to suggest that we're saying don't innovate, that you can only do the things you've ever done in the past. I do want to encourage yeah. people to try new things, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic now and people are realizing that whatever they were doing before may or may not be the way that they want to fundraise in the future. So it's not about shutting down innovation, but it is being realistic about staying true to your strategy. So just wanted to get that out there. Fair, very fair. And thank you for that because we love to innovate here at One Cause and we wouldn't yeah, want anyone absolutely. to disrupt that because we feel that there's always opportunity to do more That's and right. to grow. So fair statement. So when you are ready to focus on the specific software though, you really want to take what you've learned from your foundational steps and apply that to your analysis of tools that you're considering. We would recommend that you really sit down with your team and think about what are three to five things, not a million things, three to five things that your team does on a regular basis that these tools need to support. Make sure you keep your eye on the ball about your day-to-day -day work. Some examples of things that you might do on a regular basis that maybe they work well now, maybe they're terrible now, but they're things that you need to do. Entering a check and generating an acknowledgement letter from a donor. There's a lot of emphasis on online tools and online giving, but if you're an organization that still, and for the foreseeable future, relies on some donors to send in checks, how long does it take to enter a check? 
and generate an acknowledgement letter. And think about some of the nuances associated with that process. What if the donor isn't already in the system and you had to add the new donor when you're entering the check? Those are things that you want to make sure that your new system is do doing. And by making this list, you're basically setting up criteria for the demos that you might want to engage in. So if you write these things down, like, okay, I need to be able to enter a check. I need to be able to create a new donor. And then I need to make sure I can spit out an acknowledgement letter that has all the key information merged into it. And so I can print and sign and mail that letter. That's an example of something you want to make sure that you actually see in a system that you're considering so that it's not just that somebody's talking you through it. You want to see it. What mm -hmm. does it look like? What does it feel like? That's just an example of one of the things that might be on your list. Some other examples might be setting up a fundraising campaign page. You want to be able to collect money for a specific ask, and you want to be able to know that they're responding to that ask. So you want to set up something with pictures, and you have giving levels, and you want a customized confirmation email. How does it work to actually set that up? Is that something you can imagine your staff actually doing? confidently once they've been trained. You know, it's not that you need to know how to do everything without any training, but you want to see that actually happen from start to finish. Hmm. Those are some things that most people need to do on a regular basis. But you might also want to think about some of the things you don't do every day, but if you can't do them easily, you're going to be really frustrated. So an example of that is generating a mailing list that has very specific criteria. Most people are still doing some form of direct mail. Might be event invitations. It might be a broad-based appeal that you do regular times of the year. But most people need to be able to generate a mailing list. And I'm being very specific about a mailing list. Mm -hmm. People, let's say you want to give, you want to uh, send something to people who gave at least $500 last year. They came to your gala last year. But you only want to send one mailing per household if you have multiple adults in a household and they are related to each other, you don't want them to each get an individual copy of the mailing. You want to make sure that you're consolidating there. Yeah. And let's say you want to be able to merge their last gift amount and date into the letter. That's something that has a lot of criteria, but that's a pretty basic thing that most organizations need to do. And one of the ways that people often share with us, they've been doing that in years past, is they dump everything into a spreadsheet and they are meticulously pouring through that spreadsheet. Hours, oh my gosh, hours, hours, finding the duplicates, finding people who don't have a complete address, removing them, all kinds of manual effort, which then just has to get repeated the next time because yeah. nothing got changed in the system. So can you see in a demo, show me what this process would look like that will make it better from what I have now? Because you certainly don't want to implement a tool that's just going to force you to repeat that same pain. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't get a new tool that cause the same problem exactly. as the old tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an example where you would be surprised, but some systems actually don't make it that easy to get hmm. that data out in the way that I was describing. Even that's a fair, even though that's a fairly common type of, of ask, um, you may have trouble using criteria with the word or in it. Like, let's say you wanted people who gave a lot of money last year or people who came to the gala. Mm. Can you do that in one query? 
Or do mm. you have to run multiple queries and merge them together somehow? And the then more get frustrated, give up and go to your spreadsheet. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because the more complicated it is to get to that end result, the less likely your team is. You're going to do it. it. Yeah. Exactly. So you want to see those things that are important to you. And the last one I'll mention that some people, I think a lot of organizations don't really think about when they're evaluating tools is how easily you can import data into the system. When you think about all the different ways that you might need to get data into your system, you want to make sure that that's not also going to be a manual retyping effort for somebody on your staff. One example that a lot of people face is every time you get a new board member, probably one of the reasons that they're joining your board is to help you with expanding your reach. They have contacts that they want to share with the organization, mm -hmm. which is great. You want to be able to accept that information. It's often the case that a new board member might know somebody else who's already on the board. And so if they're giving you, a, their, new, their new board member is giving you their contact list, chances are some of the people on that list are already in your system. So if you were to import that data, you don't want to create a bunch of duplicates. Right. Of you course. want to make sure that that system is going to have a way to match on name, on email address, on physical address, so that you can review that information so that you're not creating a mess of your database, mm. but that you do have the ability to say, these people that I'm adding from this list all have a relationship with board member A, and maybe some of them are already in there and they're related to board member B. But I will end up with data I can use rather than a completely new set of records. That is also something that varies quite a bit by system. So if that is a regular thing in your organization, that's another good thing to request that you see and really pay attention to in a demo. Well, what about an upfront contract? Is it good to make this list three to five things that are buco important and, and share it with the vendor and say, Absolutely. I want to evaluate your software. This is yep. what I'm going to be looking at. Please make sure that in this whole process that I'm seeing this at some point or feeling yes. it or test driving it. Is yes, that there is no approach? need to approach this like a game where you show me some stuff, but I'm not going to really tell you what I'm looking at. Uh -huh. uh, it's not a good use of anybody's time, especially your teams, if you haven't been clear with the vendor what you're looking for. Ah. And it's, it's contracts. okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's also okay for the vendor to say, I'm not sure how to answer that. Let me find out. Because it's sometimes the case that the person who is fielding these initial calls and inquiries might not be the most technical person on the team. They might need to go and ask someone in their organization to clarify, how would we do this complicated thing? Can we do that? And bring in somebody else to help answer the question. That is a sign of a vendor that takes your success seriously. And uh -huh. if they are able to get other people on their team to help with it, I don't see that as a weakness. I see that as a strength. It's okay to say, I don't know, as long as they can follow through and make sure that you're getting the answer. I love that. I, I, I love that. Real transparency in these conversations that, you know, this is what I need. Let's be clear about that and take your time, you know, show me whether it's you or somebody else. I just need to see it before I'm going to invest. And I think both sides have to be honest about it's not a good fit. Right. Right. Exactly. This is that's what you why need. There are so it's what many you options need. out there. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. compromise. That's why it's so important to have done that work up front. It will help you 
prevent you from being swayed by an excellent salesperson who says, well, yeah, I know you asked me about this, but look at all these things our system can do. Right, right. Stay true to all those things we talked about in the beginning of the conversation and make sure you're going to get what you need. Round pegs in round holes, not square pegs in round holes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Now this all sounds easy right now. We're having such a lovely conversation, but it's a little harder than, than, than it sounds. Um, we may need help as fundraisers. So first I have just a curious question. W Foresight, where did that name come from? What, or so what does that name? We were founded by four women. So W4, oh. four women. But oh, I love that. Foresight, looking ahead, we wanted to help our client organizations plan for the future, think with foresight about what they need and how to get there. So oh, you're that's so creative. Ah, <laughs> you are so creative. Is it still a women-owned business? Absolutely. Um, it is. I, I love what, that. Exactly. We um, have two co-founders still involved in the business, and uh, we did not change the name to W2 Site. Uh, but yes, <laughs> it is still owned oh, by two I'm so women. glad I asked. I really found that so clever and creative. Okay. Thank you. So, um, okay. Sometimes we need help, right? This isn't quite as, you know, you've made a science almost about the discovery demo process, which is great. And I appreciate you laying that all out for us, but we don't want to make mistakes. A technology mistake is, is costing a nonprofit organization a lot of money, especially if that technology is not being used. You can't even put a dollar figure. So you can help, right? Our, our audience. Oh, absolutely. So how do we get in touch with you is what I'm trying to get to. Where where do we find you? You can find us on our website, wforesight.com. You can also, hiring a consultant is certainly one of your strategies uh, that is available to you. But I do want to emphasize that there are actually a lot of resources available to organizations to get some help. There is free advice available in a lot of places. So even before you take the step of hiring a consultant, I would encourage any organization to avail themselves of the other resources that are out there, because even if you do decide to get a consultant, it will help you prepare for that conversation. One of the best ways to get advice about how to improve your software stack is to ask your peers. If you have professional associations that team members are involved with, or Facebook groups, or other nonprofits in your community, those are great resources for good and bad experiences with software. What are other people using that you trust and have some relevance to your organization? And one of the things to keep in mind is some of the most relevant advice might not be from organizations in your specific issue area of the nonprofit sector. Probably the most critical features of similarity are size, budget, and staffing, which are all kind of related things. Um, other people who are trying to raise about the same amount of money that you are with about the same number of people with some of the other organizational characteristics that you might have, that they're uh, either all in one office now and working together. Is everybody working remotely? Some of the nuances about how you work might influence the software that you choose. So anybody else who looks like you in those ways could be a great source of advice and support. Hmm. The caveat there is that software does change all the time. So if somebody else had a terrible experience with something three years ago or a great experience with something five years ago, 
you still want to do your own homework because things yeah. change. Or get help from you. <laughs> I or think get help that, from us, exactly. Yeah, sure. Yes. So we're going to have all of this in the show notes. Um, I'm sure we can reach out to you on LinkedIn and we'll put the website and all of that. Because I think, I think what I'm hearing is you, you really want to prep. The more you prep and the more you stay in that, you know, pre-demo and discovery phase, you're better off making good decisions. But we can also get some help from Debbie McCann to really um, just put it put it all together, put that playbook and roadmap together, because it's just a lot of noise out there. Um, I can go on and on and talk because I think that everything, every time you mention something that we can potentially not do just quite right in the nonprofit, I'm like, I, I got to go back to our board and, and my daughter and be like, yeah, look, we're not doing this quite right. But let, I think we have time for one more question. If you can, wouldn't mind just hanging with yeah. us a little bit longer. We've taken up so much of your time, but is there a magic number on how many tools we should have? Like what, what should our tech stack look like? Uh, I think you're going to say there's not a magic number, but are, are we after three software pro or four or one here, yeah. one there? What, what does that look like? Our recommendation is that you want to use as few as you can get away with. So if you're looking for a way to have the most efficient software ecosystem, you want to have tools that do different things. You want to avoid duplicating tools that could really do the same thing. So you don't need three different tools to host events, two different tools for peer-to-peer fundraising. If you look at the tools you're using now or you're seeking to add tools to your, uh, to your stack, make sure that you're not duplicating cost and effort for learning tools that, you know, could be consolidated. Um, Focus on the pieces that are going to be most helpful to what you're trying to achieve. And you don't need extraneous stuff that you're not using. You do want to look for tools that offer integration options between them because you aren't going to have all your data in one place unless you get it from point A to point B. That may require some additional tech support, savvy that you don't have on your team, that's a great area to seek consulting support to help you get that in place and train you how to use it. But even if you don't have the technical skills now for that, you want to choose tools that don't operate as a closed environment. Integration, even if it's overwhelming to you now, think of it like an unfinished basement. You want the capacity to add later. Mm, So look for, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And without having to start this process over again, because this is time consuming and Mm. it takes you away from doing your day-to-day work. So the most, the best you can do to future-proof is to make sure that your tools can talk to each other. Wow. Okay. And you can help with all that. You're you're familiar with a lot of what's out there or make sure you are and we can rely on you to 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 navigate those waters it's well you're i mean my colleague diana fragnito who i believe you know as well debbie we we're just so we just respect and admire you so much you're just wicked smart in this space so i think that you're really going to help nonprofits in the future of their tech stack making it hum and sing and be in harmony so that we're not, um, we're focusing on what we really need to focus on. We'll let you focus on the playbook and the roadmap and, <laughs> you know, right. we'll go build relationships with uh, new donors and existing donors. So that sounds like a, a, a really good plan. Um, I hope you can come back and visit us um, again. Are you, are you going to be out and about in any upcoming industry conferences that we can say hello to you or try yeah, to look, stop? Yeah, yeah, look for me and some of my team members. If you're going to be at the uh, National Technology 
uh, N10 conference, National Technology mm-hmm. Conference in um, Nonprofit Technology Conference, excuse me, in Denver, um, the second week of April, we will be there and um, we'll look for more opportunities in the second half of the year to be out and about as well. Well, fantastic. If you don't mind, I'm going to wrap up all these show notes, how to reach you on LinkedIn and excuse me, some of the resources that you recommended and drop your website. I I have a funny feeling you're going to, we're going to, we're going to have some nonprofits out there that are going to need you. Um, Technology just continues to explode. The, the traffic gets crazier and crazier. And, you know, we need to know when to do the red light, green light, yellow light, and hopefully you can navigate us through that. So thank you for your insight today. It was just incredibly helpful. So really appreciate it. Thanks, Don. It was great to be here. Well, fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. That's Thursdays, 1230 Eastern Time. But in the meantime, you can listen to all of the episodes um, on Raise Nation Radio. We stream on 10 different, 10 of your favorite podcast channels. We're also on demand at onecause.com. And if you are a nonprofit and you would like to join us here as a guest on Raise Nation Radio, please reach out. Uh, Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. We love bringing your stories to the show. They are awe-inspiring. So please join us here. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check it out at onecause.com. Visit our resource tab on the homepage for Free resources, a broad catalog of ebooks and content and webinars, and Debbie McCann's podcast that hopefully you'll find very helpful. A huge shout out again to my wonderful and smart um, guest, Debbie McCann, um, a woman-owned business, W Foresight. You want to check it out? It'll be in the show notes. Thank you again, Debbie, so much for being for joining with us. Um, any last words of inspiration for our audience? Thanks, Don. I would just encourage people to remember, as much as we're talking about tech, the tech only works with people. Pay attention to your team, the human side of change. This can make folks really nervous and make sure that you're paying attention to what people need to get comfortable. It's okay to be nervous. we got to work through it together, but don't ignore it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That was so inspiring. Thank you again so much. Um Raise Nation, that is a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. Mm-hmm.